This is an I Am Listening exclusive podcast. Not everyone might be able to go vegan or vegetarian, but whether it's taking a one day a week where you do take that vegan option or that vegetarian option just to reduce the carbon footprint of your foods. On the similar topic, whether it's buying local in your local greengrocers rather than going to supermarket and buying a kiwi that's been flown from halfway across the world, buying fruit and veg that is grown in your county. All of these little things add up to a huge impact both in Kent and and globally. Hello and welcome to this Tread Lightly podcast from us at the Rainham Eco Hub. My name is Kaylee and I'm Liz and this podcast is where we delve a little bit deeper into those conversations with local everyday heroes that are doing small and impactful changes. We hope that you get as much out of this as me and Liz do and that you also laugh just as much too. Today we have the absolute pleasure of talking to Tom from the Kent Wildlife Trust. As you know, we are keen supporters of our local Kent Wildlife Trust. uh, And so we're really excited to have him here to come and talk to us a little bit about the work that they do and also their awards. So get comfy, get a cuppa and have a little listen. Nice to have you here, Tom. Thank you for coming along from Kent Wildlife Trust. Thanks for inviting me. I sent you a couple of questions before we started recording today and I always love to know what people's why is. It's really interesting because you kind of then get a bit of a deeper understanding of kind of where you've come from to do the work that you're in. So firstly, what is your role at Kent Wildlife Trust? Uh, So I'm the education officer at Kent Wildlife Trust. So my sort of journey into the conservation sector is maybe not a typical one but no one I've talked to at Camp Wildlife Trust did take a typical route into conservation necessarily. (laughs) Um, I obviously while I was at school I became really passionate about wildlife and environmentalism. Two geography teachers while I was at secondary school really sort of turned me on to that sort of world and I then went on and studied geography at University of Southampton. While I was there, I volunteered for Hampshire Wildlife Trust and I was this close to actually going on and doing an environmental master's degree. Life took a different route and I ended up being a teacher for 10 years. Wowzers. Did you teach in Kent? I taught in Kent, yeah. Where did you teach? Uh, I taught in Broadstairs for five years, but I was also teaching in Malvern for two years, which is sort of Worcestershire way, and in Coventry for two years as well. And did you go to school in Kent as well? I did, yeah. Oh, where did you go to school? Yeah, Broadstairs Upton Junior School, which is then the school that I ended up teaching in for five years. Wow, that's cool. Full set. Yeah. Absolutely. Ended up uh, actually being a head of year to one of the people who taught me when I was a pupil at school. Oh, which was a I love stories Lovely full like circle, that. lovely lady. So how did you, so what's your why? So why are you now doing what you're doing? What what kind of spurs you on to kind of so, do it? Even though my life took a sort of different route, I was always still really passionate and engaged with nature, um, but obviously loved the job I was, I was doing in, in teaching. But then when I saw this job come up for an education officer at Kent Wildlife Trust, for me, it seemed like the perfect marriage of of those two worlds for me. And it was about the time I was looking for a a career change as it was. So a a career in education and in wildlife at Kent Wildlife Trust just seemed like the perfect job. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you do day to day with the Kent Wildlife Trust and what do the Kent Wildlife Trust overall kind of encourage you to do? So my role within Kent Wildlife Trust is primarily around engaging with children and families and trying to uh, tackle what we'd call nature disconnectedness among the people of Kent. So our Wilder Kent 2030 strategy aims to uh, have 25% of the population of Kent by the year 2030 having or taking meaningful action for wildlife. So my role in that is to help engage young people and families in nature 
hopefully therefore instill that love of nature and the environment at a very young age that hopefully they're going to carry on throughout life so we start off with the smallest small with our nature tots programs which is um kind of a parent and toddler group but forest school ethos where we're outdoors all day they're in the mud uh they're exploring wildlife and that's from sort of 18 months up to five years uh we do school visits uh where children and school groups come to us at uh, Thailand Barn or at Seven Oaks. They do things like pond dipping and mini beast hunts and, uh, you know, see, seeing a child's face first time they find a baby newt and things like that. That's Aww. that's where you get that long lifelong love of nature from. That's do you know what happened event. the other week? We had an event um, in our town and it was a Halloween event, but it was mm. all about autumn and kind of the things that come out at night and all that sort of stuff. And this little lad come up and he was like, what's that at this table? And it was a hedgehog. Yeah. never he didn't know what a hedgehog was and he was about five and I thought out of everything that's gone on in that evening the fact that that kid's gone away knowing what a hedgehog was made my heart really happy sorry Absolutely, I but that, that that sort of is, is what I was saying about the nature disconnectedness yeah, there yeah. is a generation yeah. that's growing up because the UK is one of the most nature depleted countries is it in Europe is it? it is um so we in terms of the land we've given over or we've left to wildlife is we are one of the most nature depleted countries in Europe. That's so depressing. So as a, as a as a wildlife trust, as Kent Wildlife Trust, we're the biggest conservation charity within the county. Our aim is to have more people connected with nature, more people taking meaningful action for nature, so that hopefully by 2030 and beyond, we've got a county that is more climate resilient, that is more wildlife abundant. What would it look like then? So you say that people be more connected and take action. What what, describe that. What is what is that? I think it starts with them engaging with us in in our school visits, in our in our family events that we run. We do things like holiday club and birthday parties. That sparks the initial love of nature. But then for them to carry on, so that they're taking meaningful action, whether it's at home in their garden and they're planting wildlife friendly, kind of independent climate. from you. Is that what absolutely? You mean? So there's only a certain amount we can do as a trust, as 200 members of staff and a huge team of volunteers. Because what we can do, what we do, we couldn't do without volunteers but we're limited we what we want to do is have communities within Kent taking meaningful action for themselves as well so that it's not just on the conservation charities in Kent but every people you know everyone in Kent is is doing their their little bit yeah for nature and the more everyone does the more climate resilient the more nature abundant our, our county will be amazing and what's the kind of barriers that you come across to making those aims a reality? Sometimes it's uh, confidence or, or lack of understanding or knowledge and not, not knowing what it is they can do or how much they feel they need to do. Sometimes it's that it's that barrier of, um, is, is my little bit enough? Is that going to be We hear that enough? all the time. And what do you say to people about that when they're going, I've got a small garden, I couldn't plant a tree, I, you know, I I can't, re- we had a conversation, one of our podcasts was around kind of climate injustice and that that perception that there are some people that feel they can do more than others if you can buy an electric car great but what how do you empower people that do feel so that they've got so little at their fingertips in terms of their ability to make change i mean there is always there's always something you so you you might you might have a huge garden a huge lawn where you can you can leave over a small corner to wildlife but if you even if you just got a, a balcony that you can put out um some pots of uh pollinator friendly flowers that then attract the pollen you're, you're doing your little bit there there are decisions that you can make in your everyday life that are not necessarily going to impact on the wildlife in your garden but are going to have a, a bigger impact on sustainability in the environment worldwide whether it's uh, 
cycling to work or cycling to the shops instead of taking the car. I got what you mean, yeah. Um, whether it's taking, uh, you know, not, not everyone might be able to go vegan or vegetarian, but whether it's taking a one day a week where you do take that vegan option or that vegetarian option just to reduce the carbon footprint of your foods. On the similar topic, whether it's buying local in your local greengrocers rather than going to supermarket and buying a kiwi that's been flown from halfway across the world, buying fruit and veg that is grown in your county. All of these little things add up to a huge impact, both in Kent and and globally. Do you feel like as a trust you are on target to meet your aims for 2030? It's going to be a challenge, but I think absolutely it's a challenge that we we can do as a trust. I'm so glad you just said that. I think... (laughs) I think I would have cried if you said no, absolutely not. No, that's we good. Can, we, we will achieve it, but it's not something we could do together. We need we need everyone in Kent pulling together. And that's where um, things like our Wilder Kent Awards come in. Um, so Wilder Kent Awards were launched in uh, 2020. Uh, so it's now just coming up to its fourth year. We're launching Same. Wilder Kent Awards. We share a birthday. Oh, for a Rennie Mika Hub. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. you were Wilder Kent Award winners a couple of years ago, I believe. She was in lockdown, up. wasn't it? Twenty twenty. Yeah, might have been yeah. a few years ago. Um, that was seeing, such know. a that was such a funny and lovely day. It was very hot. <laughs> I have got a picture to prove how hot it was. I was so red, like a tomato. But I didn't realise that that was your first one. Yeah, so it was, it was before my time because I only started last year. But launched in twenty twenty, we've gone gone from strength to strength each year. So it's open to schools, community groups, uh, nurseries, colleges, universities and towns, villages, cities can enter as well. So we're trying to get as many people in the county involved in taking positive action for nature and that can be from the littlest things like recycling your crisp packets or or choosing to walk to school rather than drive to school all the way up to uh, installing solar panels and and monitoring your carbon use in your school. Um, There are all sorts of actions people can take, schools, community groups can take um, and we just want as, as much of Kent involved in that as possible. So 2024 launches on November the 20th, so a week from now when so, we're recording. So does that mean that your <laughs> kind of your nominations open for next round? Absolutely. So we every time I go into a school and talk to a school about the Wild Again Towards, they're often really shocked and pleased to find out that, oh, we're already doing that. Oh, we do that. Oh, we do that. So my response is, well, Yes, you're already doing a lot of these great positive actions. Get yourself nominated for Wilder Kent Awards. Submit your entry uh, for Wilder Kent Awards. Get that recognition. Then that starts you on your journey for the next year. So you're already doing that, that and that. Brilliant. What about this? Try try a bit more of this. Why not try uh, install, uh, building your own vegetable garden? Helps set a benchmarker, doesn't it? I guess, Absolutely. doesn't it? It gets like... the ball rolling. And, and, and for me, when I go into schools, what I really like doing is connecting with the pupils. Because when, when you get those really passionate pupils, when you get those really passionate kids that can take on the project themselves. I can see that's one of your joys. It, if it... you could see his face, <laughs> listeners, his face is full of joy and say that. Um, I, I come from, obviously, the other side of the fence. I was a teacher. I know what it's like in schools to be a teacher who um, has got an awful lot on their plate and the last thing they want to do is, is take on another project. And no matter how passionate they might feel about wildlife and sustainability, they, there's a lot on their plate. So my way of getting across to them is, is give it give it to a group of pupils, give it to your school council or your eco club and let them run with it. Let them be the ones to plan the project. Let them advice. be the ones to, to nag parents and nag TAs and other teachers to get them involved in That's projects. That's so good. And um, I guess they must love that you were a former teacher. So you view this through a really kind of understanding lens. You're, is, you're yeah, exactly offering really that. sustainable, realistic options for them. 
yeah, and I'm able to see both sides of the fence now. I'm able to see it from from my role in in the sort of sustainability and um, environmental world, but I've also been on the other side with with teachers and in schools, so I know exactly how they're feeling as well. So, do you find the majority of applications are from schools? Is that kind of your focus, or is it a real mix? I'd say around sixty percent, seventy percent of our applications do come from schools. Um, community groups make up a, a large proportion of that as well, um, and then the universities in Kent University. Uh, won gold last year so we've got Kent University applied. What did they do to get gold? Tell us what what's that behind that application? So uh, Kent University worked really really well with their ground staff to give over really large areas of, of their grounds to um, to nature and to wildlife um, but they were also really good at the sustainability and their carbon reduction. I know that they had a, a climate cafe to talk with their pupil, their students about eco-anxiety and they just they they brought a whole community together within university to sort of make more of their students aware. Do you want to live more sustainably, but you just don't know where to start? Did you, like me, sign up for veganuary and accidentally buy chicken sausages on day two? Does the whole eco thing leave you feeling confused and sometimes overwhelmed? If so, this is the podcast for you. Remember to check us out on our socials on Facebook and Instagram, The Raynham Eco Hub. Have you got any standout award winners that you can kind of tell us about any that really shone out for you even if they didn't win gold but just kind of yeah so I've, I've got a few that always stick in my mind just because it's um it's, it's sort of the ingenuity of they've, they've overcome a, they've seen a problem and they've overcome it in a really lovely way there was one school that um persistently had problem with flooding in a certain area of their field every year it got flooded every year they had to get contractors in to sort of drain the flooding um and then when they took on the wild again towards and they're looking at how they can make their 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 uh campus more climate friendly they decided to use that flooding uh, as a positive and turned it into a bog garden so they found lots of uh plants and and species that were going to thrive in a boggy environment planted all of these um I can't remember the names of species, the plants they use, but they planted a lot of these uh, sort of bog-friendly flowers and plants. And that helped to not only help with the drainage, but also help with the biodiversity in the area as well. So it helped their flooding issue as well? Helped their flooding issue because the the, the sort of plants were able to take up more of that uh, that water and, uh, yeah, help with their issue. See, I love that. It's not even thinking outside the box, is it? It's just kind of going, okay, this is the environment that we have got. What? How can we make the best use of that sometimes? Yeah, and that overlap good. between like sustainability and solving problems. Mm. So in that sense, you've f- solved a problem. You've saved money because you don't need to get the contractors exactly. in. Yeah. And that's gold for us, well, isn't it? Those- that's another thing, isn't it? Money is always um, money is always something that people say to us, which is like, oh, I don't have the money to do this. I don't have the money to do that. And sometimes we just say, actually. <laughs> Some of these things can actually save you money. So like when yeah. you're talking about um, some schools wanting to change their energy providers and wanting to be able to, you know, do some big changes. It's like it doesn't have to always cost you money. In fact, it could it could save the planet and money at the same time. That's often my first in when talking with teachers and pupils is that a lot of the things they can do are, are, are free. Um, and, you know, things like their, their recycling schemes in school, they don't have to pay for them. The 
the pupils can set them up and run with that. Having energy monitors in the classroom to make sure that each child or that, that each class, the lights are switched off and the computer screen's not. If you get the right child, oh. Oh, they will not let you out of the classroom <laughs> until that light's You've got switched one of off. Them. When my son was about eight, he was the energy monitor in our house, right? Absolutely. And he just loved bossing everybody around and being like, you've left that light on, you're leaving this on, leaving that on. At the moment, we've got a big thing about water. So anyone yep. that kind of wastes water... Um, my husband uh, drained pasta straight into the sink the other day and my daughter was like, absolutely not. Yeah, so you're right. Get the right kids. Children love telling adults <laughs> off. Um, they love telling other children off. So again, talking about the, the water wastage, if, if, if that is a message that starts to resonate around the school, then they're going to be talking to each other about that in the yeah. toilets and not, not pressing the water yeah. and not wasting all the, the paper out of the paper dispensers and things that like that. that was me as a kid. I said to my daughter the other day, um, she was talking about wasting water. I said, you know what we used to do as a kid? We used to get, you know, the paper towels, soak them and like chuck them on the, the ceiling. ceiling. Did you ever do that? No, I like, I wet them and then we turn them into like tiles. So you'd cover all of the mirrors in like <laughs> wet paper towels. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think kids do that nowadays because Bella went, mum, that's such a waste. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was that person. Sorry about that. I was that that. Sorry about that. But <laughs> yeah, maybe generations have changed. I think that's a generational thing. Yeah. I, I think generations now yeah. are much more aware and they are yeah. talking about it from a very young age. Yeah. It's not cool as well. Like I loved the other day that the, um, my son went, he's just started secondary school and a kid in their in their outdoor space killed a bee <gasps> in lunchtime and they went for this kid they were ri- they were raging at him and he was like you know kind of you know big confident kid that thought it would be cool and once upon a time that would have got a laugh but everyone was like what the hell are you doing and that shift yeah it did fill me with joy in some ways that they were all appalled by that behavior there was nobody that was cheering this kid on and I think those little changes in just it just goes without saying that that is just not acceptable anymore I was going to say in a bee as well everyone I, loves as, a bee. As I remember one one uh, PE lesson when I was teaching um, I, I lost half an hour to the whole class because we, we all rallied around saving a bee uh, because it was end of summer it was crawling it, it obviously needed a bit of support and a bit of help they will remember that lesson forever though won't they they will and you know it, it got a really good education opportunity out of it I know my purpose was I was meant to be teaching them football or whatever it was but actually that what they learned from that and the role that that bee played and why yeah. why just one bee is so important oh, why yeah. we should try and help the bees your interruptions are your work is what I want to interject yes, with there yeah, and I, I think that. that was a perfect one did you save the bee we got it to a safe space. We left it with a with a little dish of uh, sugar water, and oh, and Tom. my message at that point was we leave we leave it be. Pardon the pun. Leave it. Um, be. We leave it. Be. <laughs> You're good, Tom. You are. We you should do away. a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> leave it be. Oh, I love that. This is filling me with joy today. I um I can see why you was a teacher. I feel like you would make a really really good teacher. So, the awards. Nominations are going to be yes. opening. Yes, so on the 20th of November, they, they launch and that's that's sort of our chance to say this this is what you can do. So if you if you go on online and sign up for our Wild Ken Towards, you'll receive your brochure, which is full of, um, full of tips and hints of things that you can do to help make your space more wildlife friendly, no matter the size, no matter your budget, no matter um, how many people you've got within your within your group. It could be um, an, an eco community group of maybe 10 men, members it could be a secondary school of up to 1500 children and on the 20th of November sign up you'll receive your booklet and then between November and May the 31st which is the submission date you'll have all of that time to involve your group in 
uh, a range of projects. Tom, talk to me. I'm not very good at writing. How would it be for getting the actual application form to you? Is it a big, long, complicated form? Absolutely not. No. All we want to hear is what you're doing at school. Um, some people will want to tell us absolutely every minute detail of what they've done and they'll want to include photos and videos and posters that their pupils have made and uh, podcasts that their school have recorded and blogs they've written, which is great. We love to we love to see it all. We love to share one. it. Oh, there are schools that do are have they? podcasts. There are schools that have um they have their own uh, news shows that go out weekly yes there are lots of schools that do love to do these things yeah um whether they're eco-related or they're just they're they're, they're showing the news of the school yeah that is so good sorry i think when 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 i was at school it was the school newsletter but i think uh obviously times have moved on and technologies moved moved with it as podcasts and yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah form's incredibly easy all all you need to do is tell us what you're doing essentially so it could be as long as you want or it could be as short as you want we've got a submission form um it's about three pages long and it's just got boxes to say what you've done within each criteria so we've got three categories the first one's protecting wildlife and there's different criteria within that uh, to, to sort of show you how you can protect wildlife within your grounds second category is sustainability and carbon reduction and then the third one is engaging with nature so tell us what you are doing as a group. So you could just that. be doing one, but not the other at the oh, minute absolutely. or whatever. Absolutely. And you're not checking for spelling errors and things like that. We are not checking for I'm spelling. I'm conscious that people no. can sometimes look at these forms and say, oh, this is a headache. So no. I think we can... Um, we can rule out the. We've tried to make it as easy and straightforward as possible. That um, it just needs to be a submission to tell us what you're doing. If you can include photos and videos as evidence of, of what you've done, even better, because we can then share that and help spread the message of the fantastic work that your group's doing. Um, but essentially, it's just a submission form that you, you you get when you sign up in November. Yeah. So my tip would be that every time you do something, just make a note of it in the yeah, form, so that by the time May runs around, you're just submitting that form. You're not sitting down and, and typing it doing all out. It's, it's been a working working sort of document as you go yeah that's such a good idea and can I just give you a little bit of feedback now because I did email uh, the Kent Wildlife Trust a little while ago to tell them how amazing your website is oh really it is so good and it's so accessible and I talk about this so much because I am not academic I do not I'm not able to read research papers I'm not able to Mm -hmm. listen and decipher all of these big environmental words that get thrown about and so your website is so accessible for somebody like me that can just read it it has pictures which that is I'm not saying that as a you know an unkind thing that's really really good it just makes it so family friendly we've got a very good comms team that work very hard on the website and work very hard on the content and the accessibility of it all Um, and whenever someone comes to me and says what what can we do for the Wild Kent Awards we want to achieve this but we're not sure how I always point them to the actions part of our website so it's Kent Wildlife Trust slash actions and that that page has got so much so if you're wanting to build a pond it's got uh, about five different ways you can build a pond right from a tub pond all the way up to a sort of mini lake within your grounds and i followed your instructions oh to brilliant make my you pond a pond. Last yeah fantastic yeah, yeah they are really, really straightforward they've got images they've got tips all there really good so shout out to your comms team because they are actually amazing i mean if they ever get you know spare five minutes and want to build, build our website <laughs> uh I'd, I'd give them a cup of tea really i'm sure they'll work for chocolates. a cup of tea and some biscuits yeah <laughs> there you go you've signed them up there, <laughs> thank you so so much thank you for, for coming me. and sharing and telling us all i'm gonna take that story about the bee now with me wherever i go you're welcome thank you so so much thank you tom thank you 
Thank you for listening to the Rainham Eco Hub's Tread Lightly podcast. If, like us, you're trying to be more sustainable, then like and subscribe to get notified when we release new episodes, or even better, share with your friends and family. Hope you enjoyed today's episode, and thank you for joining us. Stay safe, keep going, and find us on socials. Cheers, guys. This has been an I Am Listening exclusive podcast. For more information, head over to our website, iam-listening.co.uk.